0: All right, welcome in, everyone, to this week's midweek edition of the Bills Beat Podcast. Joe Biscaglia here with Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic. As always, the Bills, 4-9 on the season, getting ready to take on the Detroit Lions, who are now 5-8, somehow, still fighting for their playoff live. So a lot is on the line at New Era Field. Yeah, I'm I'm going to stop pretending. That's... it's it's... it's the Bills-Lions. It's a... Basically, the equivalent of a preseason game only played in week 15 of the season. Can we agree there? I mean, it's pretty it's, bad. It always it, feels like bad. the
1: preseason when the Bills and Lions play, because that's usually when they play. Right. Although the last time they played in the regular season, Jim Schwartz got carried off the field. <laughs> so there was a lot on the line. There was the laser pointer. Yes. And there were there, there was were Kyle on. Orton Heroics.
0: Yeah. Sammy Watkins, heroics. And cigars to be smoked after after the victory. Absolutely. Good times. How far we've come. That was early
1: in the year, was it not? I believe it was week five because EJ got banned. It was Kyle Orton's first game. Oh, right. That's right. But then they were back at Ford Field a couple weeks later, which is what makes recollection of that confusing. So Kyle Orton was... Hitting a Stoke after his first game, absolutely. Why not? <laughs> Jim Schwartz was getting carried off the field, and then you know a few days later, I was talking to him about it, and he was like, basically pulled to Jerry Hughes. He was like, I, "I don't know what you're talking about. It wasn't a big deal." Oh. I was
0: like, uh, "Okay, Jim. Yeah, it's, if you say so." That guy was just—he was a peach. Yeah, he was—he was something else. But yes, the Bills are taking on the Lions. Matt Patricia. Uh, of the um, sit-up-straight uh, fame talking to reporters. Also, this, this little thing, uh, the, uh, the Lions requested that each uh, media person state their name and affiliation before they asked a question to Matt Patricia, Patricia but, which is not a standard practice of, on those conference calls. I don't think the Bills make other media do it, but hey, that's neither here nor there. So the Matt Patricia Lions with a um, a bit of a shell of himself, Matthew Stafford. Uh, we'll get into the matchup a little bit, but first we wanted to go into something that's kind of popped up this weekend, and I think it's it's necessary to take a look at at the conversation that's kind of surrounding the Bills, which is only about one person, mind you, and I guess rightfully so. Josh Allen has been the guy for the last 3 weeks for the Buffalo Bills he as he has gone the offense has gone and really the offense has taken a step forward since he has come back you know the the Matt Barkley Jets game notwithstanding but there has been some rhetoric out there put out there that you know Josh Allen still stinks and i think there's a lot of different factors here and i don't i don't really want to Get into who's saying what and and everything like that because that only adds to the the flare. But it's it's gotten loud enough to the point in which you have to think, all right, well, can can, can everyone just can everyone just, <laughs> if for the lack of a better term. So Josh Allen has come in and has done the job of that that they've asked him to, and that of a developing rookie quarterback and. There have been a lot of takes being shared, and I don't know that all of them are of, I guess, pressing value. Is is the term I'll use here? It it's just it just seems like people are really trying too hard with him, and I don't know, maybe maybe trying to crush him. And I'm and I'm not sitting here and saying that he's going to be great or he's going to be awful, but I, I just think it's uh, it's a little bit uh, too much too soon. How about you? Yeah, it's a weird
1: conversation because I feel like there's a lot more noise now than there's ever been just with the way everything is covered on social media and everything else, and that goes for the draft. I think it all starts with the draft because Mm -hmm. before the draft, he was a favorite whipping boy of almost everybody. I mean the accuracy was a big thing and you know there were just a lot of people that were convinced that he was not a good quarterback and that has i think impacted how he's been analyzed as a rookie and like you said i'm not going to sit here and say that Josh Allen is good he is the franchise quarterback the bills are set mm-hmm. because I think that would be ridiculous this early into his career. I also think it would be ridiculous to go the other way with it. Mm -hmm. And are there times where he hasn't been as accurate as you'd like? Probably, but I think there are a lot of times where he's been more accurate than I expected. Uh, Are there times where he bails on the pocket a little too soon? Maybe, but a lot of those are leading to spectacular plays sometimes in the running game. And he's creating those plays when there's nothing else going on around him. So, But I just think the bigger conversation around him has been one of where a lot of confirmation bias is kind of leaking in. And there's a lot of people who – he's a unique situation because I don't think it's often where there's a quarterback – where so many people are so convinced before he takes the field that he isn't good. I mean, you look at True. even Jalen Ramsey. I'm not convinced Jalen Ramsey watched more than five minutes of Josh Allen before coming to the conclusion that he was bad. And he very well might be bad. Who knows? I mean, he's got a long way to go before you know, he's considered a franchise quarterback. But in the midst of it all, we've lost the ability to let it play out. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably the strangest part about this is that you look at how Josh Rosen, for instance. Josh Rosen, who I thought was the best quarterback prospect in the draft last year, I believe you thought the same thing. Mm -hmm. A lot of other people thought the same thing. And the idea is that he gets a pass, because Arizona's really bad. His offensive line stinks. He doesn't have receivers. He's also been bad, and too. He hasn't been great. No, and but I'm not going to sit here and call him a bust yet right. or go the other way with it just because it, he's a rookie and he's on, he is on a bad team. Mm-hmm. It's just odd that a guy who has Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk has nothing around him. But... Zay Jones and Kelvin Benjamin and Robert Foster and all this is a wealth of of riches. Andre Holmes or, for a little while, you know. You know Isaiah McKenzie who was plucked off the waiver wire. The offensive line Josh Rosen has in Arizona is awful. Like they've had injuries, and it's it's an awful group. But this one's pretty bad too. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that odd, you know, difference in how they're analyzed or viewed is strange. That, and I think a lot of that, I, I don't think this is unique to Josh Allen. I think there's a lot of it with Lamar Jackson and how he's covered. and But Josh Allen is, is unique in the sense that everybody hated him. Lamar Jackson had supporters mm-hmm. uh, before the draft. Uh, myself among them. I, I liked Lamar Jackson as well. I think you and I weren't quite as harsh on Josh Allen as most. Nope. Um, sure weren't. But... And it's also recognizing, which we talked about a lot before the draft, that we don't know everything or nearly as much as, you know, other people and guys who do this for a living. I mean, when we're watching Josh Allen, we don't have the benefit of
0: coaches' tape, which is pretty crucial in analyzing a quarterback. And also we don't – and we admit to not knowing that information, whereas, you know, there are some that will make you feel like that they know, know everything when, in essence, they might be looking at the same stuff everybody else is. And even, you know, there's the numbers part of it as well, where the
1: numbers obviously were not kind to Josh Allen, especially in college, Because, but he also didn't have a lot of talent around him. There are excuses you can make, but the numbers are the numbers. And the numbers this year with him as a passer, advanced numbers or otherwise, are not good. And so that's what a lot of people are using to say, look at how bad he is. Mm -hmm. Josh Rosen's are awful. You know, Josh Rosen is having a really bad year. Sam Darnold's aren't amazing. You know, so... Sam Darnold has a lot of picks. I think the big thing for me is that these guys are rookies. You know, why Mm -hmm. is there such a rush to say one way or another whether these guys are good or not? Especially
0: when the teams themselves are not in that rush. I mean... The NFL, league-wide, they are usually in a hurry to find an answer about them, but not in the first year. The first year is always thought to be, look, this guy has to learn the game. He has to learn what it takes week and week. Look at look at the progress that Josh Allen made from the first time he started against the Chargers in Week 2 to what he was against the Dolphins even a couple weeks ago. I mean, it's, it's night and day what he was doing, and the Chargers – absolutely wrecked him in that first half. Like they were throwing stuff at him that he had never seen before. And but that's that's the part of going through those paces and trying to figure out what it takes to to win at this level and trying to do so with the bill supporting cast around him on offense. I mean, without Josh Allen, think about that stretch of games when he first went down with his injury. I mean, there were Below 10 points weekly. Three straight weeks below 10 points. I mean, his
1: ability to avoid sacks has turned negative plays into positive plays very often for them. There,
0: There are so many times where he's just sitting back there. He wants to sit in the pocket, and then like Ryan Groy or John Miller or. Jeremiah Searles, Jordan Mills, somebody screws up and and he he has to go because he doesn't have time back there. Go ahead, sorry. But, sorry it, to it's, you.
1: but it's yeah, it's it's funny that you know that's a huge positive in his game, and obviously it's not ideal that he's leading the team in rushing, but it's kind of funny that the rushing has turned into a negative in some <laughs> ways. You know that is. you know it's being used against him when people churn out the hot takes because, you know, he's Tyrod Taylor all of a sudden. And everybody laughs at the Bills because and Bills fans because, look, they wanted to get rid of Tyrod Taylor, and now they have another Tyrod Taylor. I I don't think so. Yeah, that couldn't be further from the truth. What's weird to me about, and, you know, the Tyrod Taylor conversation is a part of this because that's, again, where a lot of this stems from where the people outside of that didn't maybe watch him every game or the national media or people who like uh, the advanced stats love Tyrod Taylor and again we were I th- I think we've been somewhat fair to Tyrod Taylor I think Absolutely. he has a as lot compared of, to some he has yeah. a lot of merits as a quarterback and I think he's he could be an upgrade for a lot of teams mm-hmm. out there right totally. now at the moment he didn't turn the ball over he was a good runner and created some chunk plays at times when he had good weapons around him. but He would
0: definitely be starting in Denver right now.
1: Right. Or, or Jacksonville or, yeah. you know, a handful of places. Those are teams that could have made the playoffs this year had if, they had a they, better quarterback yeah, situation. If they had been aggressive and gone and got him. Right. The fact that he's backing up Baker Mayfield isn't a huge indictment on him because no. Baker Mayfield's been pretty damn good. But, you know, the Bills are viewed as – I don't think the Bills should be punished for wanting to do better than Tyrod Taylor, and – Josh Allen is not better than Tyrod Taylor right now, but he's not that far off. But he's also so much different. Yeah. And comparing a rookie in his, you know, who who missed a good chunk of the season to a guy who was in the league for a long time, you know what? What's he got? Almost forty starts in mm-hmm. the NFL had plenty of opportunity to prove that he was more than a baseline you know average passer and he didn't and he didn't do it and now you know x number of games into Josh Allen's career it's like well look he's another version of Tyrod Taylor because he's not you know averaging 200 yards passing a game yet well no he's not but he's also throwing to guys who wouldn't be starting on most NFL rosters Mm -hmm. and Last time I checked, Josh Rosen isn't lighting the world on fire and he has a future Hall of Famer to throw to in Larry Fitzgerald. So and Christian Kirk, who was a high draft pick and a pretty talented player himself. So why is it that, you know, Josh Allen is people are in such
0: a hurry to to be like, eh, here here's that Josh Allen right. we all knew and loved you, in love at Wyoming. The term you used was absolutely right, the confirmation bias, which is it's it's almost as though there's some people out there that just want to double down on their Josh Allen original thoughts as opposed to letting it play out. Like, he's going to fail. He's going to suck. He already sucks. Look look at these stats. And I get it to a certain degree, like, you want to be right, but there's also the logic that plays into it, too, and which is why the... In their minds, it's probably not a hot take, but... It comes across that way because when when you put that type of stamp on a person before, A, they've gotten to 10 starts in their career, B, before the team that has actively been trying to fix their salary cap situation and rip down their roster to the studs have been able to build it the offense around him, and then C, again... Having shown signs, uh, f- flashes of improvement, I mean, not taking those things into account is a bit reckless in my mind, just as someone who evaluates football. So when you have Allen, and, and take it for what it is. He's, he's done some very good things. He's also done some things that make you scratch your head and go, all right, well, what, what were you thinking there? Like, that's, that's not acceptable. But if we're going to sit here and, and talk about the Tyrod-Josh Allen discussion, I mean, the wide receivers are the same, if not a little worse for, for Josh Allen. Because at least for Tyrod, down the stretch of the year after he came back from his knee, Kelvin Benjamin was more than what he was this season. Zay Jones was worse last year, so maybe, that's, maybe it's kind of even. But you know what's not as good? Their running game. You know what's not as good? By leaps and bounds, their offensive line. I mean, they lost two borderline Pro Bowl players at left guard and at center. And they're trying to get by with a guy that they benched through two, through four games last season, John Miller, as one of their starting five. And then they went and benched the guy that they originally benched him for, in Vlad Dukas. So it's like, you have to take all of these different factors into into consideration here. And I get it. I get people want to be ahead and, and everything like that, but sometimes you just need to let it breathe a little bit. And I think this is one of those times. And I think you are absolutely dead on about how Josh Rosen is viewed compared to uh, Josh Allen. Same thing with Sam Darnold. Like, can you sit here and tell me If any of those three guys are going to be good in the NFL, I I certainly can't do it. Like Baker Mayfield is probably the only one where you can say, okay, this guy's probably going to be good. But he was also the number one pick. Right. So these other guys, Sam Darnold, who has thrown, what, 15 interceptions now, Josh Allen, who has run for a ton of yards out of necessity, but also that completion percentage that everyone knocked him for is around that... 55% range and then Josh Rosen as you said almost gets a pass because his team around them stinks even though the Bills offense stinks again go back to the weeks that Josh Allen was not there when they started Derek Anderson and Nathan Peterman and how many points they scored (laughs) you can it's it was less than probably less than one of their offensive outputs that when Josh Allen came back it's like It's just people are trying a bit too hard here and I I think it's just you just have to let it kind of marinate here. And there's no no telling if he's going to be good, but just Gosh, it's just trying to fast forward the conversation before it it even has a chance to like exist. And it's that that's just silly. And the only reason he's probably getting so much
1: attention is because he's running. the way he's running and that makes people say oh how's he doing oh well he still sucks as a passer so let's pile on or what have you but it's part of the reason why you know we've been doing the uh, breakdown with Joe Licata every week because the impetus for that was I was thinking the conversation around Josh Allen just isn't nuanced enough Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways there's too much of just guesswork being done And admittedly, I was like, I think this is a blind spot for myself. Maybe there's a guy who, you know, Joe, who's played the position, uh, obviously didn't have a long NFL career, but spent time in a camp and set records at UB. Like, he knows what Josh Allen's supposed to be doing, what it's supposed to look like, and, you know, what these concepts are, what he's supposed to be reading. So much of that that I think is over a lot of people's heads, but it doesn't stop anyone from having the opinions or mm-hmm. parroting the opinions of others or repeating the stats back and, you know, going on and on that way. I mean, it's it's very hard to put all of it in context in a proper way. And I, I just don't know that, you know, so many of the stats for a rookie, it's like, what, what are we even talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, how many of these could we go back and say, you know, people look at Jared Goff or... And look, I'm not saying because a guy, you know... Look, Jared Goff's stats were just as bad as Josh Allen, so Josh Allen will become Jared Goff. That's not how it works either. But I think a lot of times the stats as a rookie, you don't throw them out the window, but you look at them in the context of everything and the situation guys are in and what they're being asked to do. And in the case of Josh Allen... I think there have been times where, I mean, he has a lot of room to grow as a passer, but he's he's doing some things where I think if there's talent around him and there's an offensive line in front of him and a running game to work with, I think you can win with this guy. Mm-hmm. We'll see how far he can take it as a as a passer and um, you know how he can kind of you know round out his game and be. I think he does need to be better at, at taking more of the easy stuff and. Uh, You know, there would be probably a lot of growth in some of his numbers if that were the case, but he's finding ways to win and he's showing baseline traits that you need to show. He's not, Mm -hmm. you know, out there scared in the pocket. Um, You know, when he leaves early, it's because he's trying to be a hero and make a play, not that he's scared to take a hit. And little things like that are, you know, probably more of what you should look for, more of what's not showing up in the stat sheet. And a lot of this, in some ways, we, you know, we're preaching to the choir because I'm sure a lot of people listening are... Nodding their heads. Uh, yeah, <laughs> saying, you know, this is how I watch him. This is what I've been trying to do. you know. But I just think it's important to... An important reminder as other people start to jump into the conversation and, and try to steer it one way or the other that it's not worth getting worked up over because yep, totally as right. we've said all along... And as we said before the draft, when we had the Josh Allen conversation to begin with uh, and warned people of the possibility, I guess, was, you know, our jobs don't ride on whether Josh Allen is good or not. Yeah, you know? we were here. <laughs> and, you know, the, the listeners, you know, they're, at this point, they're going to let it play out as they should. I think it's played out better than a lot of people expected mm-hmm. to this point. And so now it's just a a crucial offseason. Surround the guy with some talent. uh, Put an offensive line in front of him. Get him a running back and see what can happen. Because I think, you know, there is a lot of reason to be optimistic about him. And it may not be until this time next year that we have a really clear picture of what type of player
0: he is. Yeah. And – Maybe if we can just take a step back from the uh, the general outside opinion on him. And this is more of a critical thinking area on the quarterback position in in theory and in generalities outside of the confines of, of Josh Allen as a specific prospect here. And this is something that I've been kind of thinking about because I think back to the times of Trent Edwards, right? And Trent was very high up in two things, quarterback rating and in completion percentage because the throws he made were not necessarily of the most difficult variety, and that would inflate the numbers. To a certain degree, I kind of feel the same way about Tyrod Taylor because he didn't really take a lot of shots out there, and that's why you see the inflated completion percentage inflated quarterback ratings inflated advanced stats even uh on on what he did even though he wasn't taking those chances and not seeing the open areas of the field because he wasn't reading the entire field so i think one thing i've been really thinking about here is how much completion percentage actually matters i mean 60% Sixty percent is this baseline thing, or it's like, well, well you got to be at sixty. If you're not at sixty, you suck. But do you? I mean, if you're if you are hitting on, let's say, somewhere between fifty and fifty nine percent of your throws, and this is not in defense of Josh Allen. This is this is in generalities because he has existed at the fifty to fifty nine for the majority of his college and professional career. So if you're it i think it all kind of depends on the types of throws that you're making as opposed to how many of them you're hitting because if you're hitting a large a larger percentage of these throws down the field and on third downs and in these more clutch of situations and your incompletions are because you're trying those throws shouldn't completion percentage almost be weighted a little bit to the types of throws that you're making as opposed to just the baseline of uh, makes to misses i mean I, I i've been it's it's been something that i've really considered for a long time but now that josh allen is here and he's the quarterback of the bills and that's one of his biggest detracting reasons of why people crush him i have to wonder about that
1: well I think the best example to point to is the fact that Cam Newton did not complete 60% of his passes during his MVP season. He completed 59.8. So basically 60%, but under that threshold. This year he's completing almost 70% of his passes. It's one of only 3 seasons where he's hit the 60% mark. The other was the other two were his rookie season when he was at 60 even. And 2013, when he was at 61.7, so he's hovered around that mark. This is an abnormally good completion percentage year for him, but he's dealing with that shoulder issue, and I think probably not um, pushing it as much. Yeah, okay. Doing quite, and and Norv Turner has helped in that regard too, I think. But point being, it's not the end all, be all when you create big plays. Now, in that. MVP season, Cam Newton had thirty five passing touchdowns, ten rushing touchdowns. So he was a beast. I mean, you have to be finishing in the red zone when you're doing that, but Mm -hmm. there's no reason to think that Josh Allen can't play a similar high variance style. You have to limit the turnovers and the negative plays and you have to limit the amount of hits you take because he's taking far too many and As Cam Newton has shown, I mean, his shoulder is becoming an issue, and that's in part because he takes so many hits. But you can play that style and win. I think of Ben Roethlisberger a lot of times, too, because he takes a ton of shots down the field, and, you know, he has big play guys to go to. He didn't always have that, and, you know, he wasn't always, you know, this good, but. He takes a ton of shots down the field and he's willing to take hits in the pocket. Let's see what his completion percentages have been. He's consistently been over 60%, but early in his career, he had a few seasons in the high 50s and the low 60s. So he's not a, he's never been 70 or over. You mm-hmm. know, he's not that kind of guy. But I think that's where you need to probably hope to get to something closer, probably somewhere in between those two guys
0: as a passer like uh, somewhere in like the 56 to 65 range as long as you're taking making throws down the field, I think that's of more value than say Tyrod's haler flinging it for 70% because well what type of throws is, is is he trying like is is he trying to push it down the field more on more uh, routes than just a fly route? Like is he hitting the deep post? Is he hitting a flag route? Is he throwing the deep outs, or is he looking over the middle of the field? These are were all areas for Tyrod that were not good, and I think he was his stats were kind of bumped up because of it.
1: And, he also completed sixty three, sixty one, and sixty two percent of his passes in his three seasons as a starter, and was completing forty nine percent of his passes before he got benched this season. I mean, there's. Adjusted, I didn't know it was that low. Yeah, you know, adjusted completion percentage is probably the better way to look at things because it accounts for drops and
0: But it doesn't account for for depth of
1: target. Also, well there's also that, the difficulty of the throws. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of stuff gets missed in these conversations is, you know, just wanting to use I don't know what the perfect stat is right for you know a, I don't a think lot there is one for quarterbacks. I mean there's adjusted net yards per attempt is usually a pretty good predictor of success and wins I mean I know a lot of people want to say turnovers is the best way to judge whether you're going to win a football game and you know limiting those is the best way to do it but you're not really um gauging a whole lot there either because You'd like to think most guys, if they really, uh, if the game plan called for it and they really wanted to, could limit turnovers. Um, that's I think you can scale back on that easier than you can teaching a guy to drill a ball twenty-five yards down the field in the middle of the field. Right on a, a deep over or a dig route. I feel like that's harder to coach than especially teaching a guy to stand in the pocket and take the hit. Mm -hmm. You know, you you think back to some of the guys that have flamed out in the league, even guys that have flamed out in Buffalo, I think, you know, some of that was an issue. So all of this is to say it's okay to let it play out Right, let this guy develop (laughs) because I think what he has that you might not realize if you're just looking at the numbers or surface level things is the command he has of the locker room and how much guys like playing for him, which is, I wouldn't say uncommon, but it's, it's definitely a a feather in his cap, so to speak this early on and his toughness, his, his willingness to a take a hit in the pocket and throw the ball downfield make a bad play and come back with the same attitude, you mm-hmm. know, and and being willing to make his make a better throw and but just as difficult of a throw, a couple plays later, and and then just his his almost desire to make big plays, his constant want to make big plays mm-hmm. that can't be understated. Those three things are not easy to teach and he has those he has a lot of things that he needs to work on that i think you can teach um but he has a few of the things that you can't i mean that was always the thing think about the guys that have think about guys that have started strong and teetered off guys like Derek carr Mm -hmm. or think of guys that you know have failed somewhat miserably i mean the 2011 class outside of Cam Newton, the Christian Ponder, Blaine Gabbert, Jake Locker, even Andy Dalton, uh, guys that need sort of the perfect situation to Mm -hmm. succeed. I don't think Josh Allen needs that to succeed each and every Sunday because he has a terrible situation right now, and he's finding ways to succeed. E.J. Manuel is probably another example of a guy that had some flaws that you just – we're going to have a hard time coaching out of him. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen has some things that you can't coach, and whether you can coach out of him the other things remains to be seen, and whether they have the infrastructure in place to do it remains to be seen. But to pretend that it's that he's on some sort of path to become a bust or even the other way I think is just preposterous this early on.
0: Yeah, right. I think that's very well said, and... Uh, maybe this is something that, that i think about in the off season once we get there like what's what's the best way to like what's the, what's the best stat you can come up with on a quarterback that that uh can actually tell you a story about that quarterback because every other stat there is on quarterbacks really a lot of these guys are flawed and you have to you, you can't rely on them which is why teams rely so much on scouting as opposed to the the raw numbers and and I'm sure there are there have been raw numbers that are kept in house that aren't out for public consumption that, that are like yeah this is uh, this is a good determination of success or at least this, this if you're high in this certain statistic you are at a higher likelihood for success, as opposed to, um, as opposed to just someone who is not. And I think and maybe that's an that's an off season to do sort of thing because it's. I still think adjusted
1: net yards per attempt is one of the best. It's pretty good. Ever. I mean, look, here are the career leaders in adjusted net yards per attempt: Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. Tony Romo, Philip Rivers, Russell Wilson, Steve Young, Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger, Kurt Warner.
0: Matt Ryan's that high, huh?
1: Yeah, he's a net, he's a confusing net, one. And adjusted net yards per attempt takes into account, uh, you know, negative plays, so interceptions and sacks mm-hmm. are viewed as sort of a a net negative. It's why Nathan Peterman was one of the worst adjusted net yards per attempt mm-hmm. ever because. He threw so many interceptions, and there were many negative plays when he was on the field. But when Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady are 1-2-3 in a stat, it's, and Drew Brees, you could argue those are the four best quarterbacks of all time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've got – I mean, Tony Romo, people would probably take some exception to, but maybe that just shows that Tony Romo was a little bit underrated. Uh,
0: I, I actually agree with that. I think I think he uh, he was never – because of the whole playoff thing, he never got his due, I don't think, but that's... Jim Kelly, 37th all-time in adjusted net yards per attempt. Which is really, really, so really stinking But good. again,
1: it just shows that no stat is perfect because adjusted net yards per attempt, Dante Culpepper was higher than Jim Kelly. Oh, so, right. So, you know, no stat is going to be perfect. Roger Staubach is 44 and Jake DeLome is 45. <laughs> David Garrard is 42 and Troy Aikman is 48. So, I mean, even trying to find the perfect stat is is difficult. I yeah. think it's why, you know, you know, you can you can find any stat you want in a lot of ways to twist a narrative in a certain way. And it's not to discount or discredit all stats because I think they provide a lot of important context. But I agree.
0: In combination with um, a little bit of context yep totally agree. all right let's uh, discuss this bills lions game coming up um because. We have to <laughs> i mean it's part partially why we're here uh yeah it's i think the only reason you should watch this game is to see what josh allen does and that's that's really it because this is not a good lions team they have a Pretty strong defensive line, pretty solid against the run. But the Bills suck at, suck at running the ball, so it's not like they can. That's going to be a huge advantage for them. Their secondary isn't great, so there might be some opportunity for uh, for Josh Allen to throw the ball around. Not sure. their Their pass rush is solid, but I think I think he might be able to have enough time back there to to do some stuff. From the pocket, so that that's why he's the main draw here, as he should be for the remainder of the season, because what he does and what he shows, and potentially in big moments of the game, or finger quote big moments of the game, as big as they can be for a Bills four and nine versus a Lions five and eight Week fifteen showdown. But yeah, this is uh, the Bills are favored again, two and a half point favorites. At least they were at the start of the week. So. I don't know. This is Stafford is Stafford is not the same guy anymore, or at least he's not this year. He's throwing a lot of short targets, and it's it's just it's kind of sad to watch actually, because he's he was always one of those guys. It's like oh, he's going to push the ball down the field, but he's not anymore. He's just he's just settling, and that's that's a bit of a concern. And their offense hasn't really been able to get going. By the way, they start Garrett Blunt at running back, who. If he gets going, then he can actually make people miss. But it takes a while for him to get going. So if you can get to the backfield, you can bring him down. So um, who do you have in this one? Bills are favored by two and a half. What do you got? This is a tough one. I I mean, the Lions
1: have been such an odd team all season.
0: Talking about beating the Patriots like they did?
1: Yeah, they've had some moments. But... By and large, they're not a good football team. Nope. Matt Stafford is even a little banged up at this point, I think, and so is On Johnson. And without Golden Tate, the offense hasn't quite been what you would expect. Mm-hmm. I still think Kenny Galladay is a good player. Yeah, um, he's a good route runner. and For sure. you know, the defense has some pieces. It seems like on paper they should win this game, but they haven't been winning a ton of these games. I I'm going to take the Lions to win a close one. I think that defense has been pretty opportunistic against young quarterbacks uh, when given the chance. I mean, obviously, the Darnold week one game was uh, not not a good uh, look for Matt Patricia and his group, but I'm going to give them the edge in this one. And it's mostly because the Bills are getting banged up, and it's making – life even harder on Josh Allen in some ways, Uh, you know, and the defense, I don't know if they can hold up the way they have when they're missing Matt Milano and Taron Johnson, Mm -hmm. and, you know, two key guys to, you know, limiting uh, production out of the slot for them, so it's a bit of a toss-up. It's kind of like last week where it's two teams that aren't very good that are going to be picking high in the draft, but I'm going to go with the more experienced quarterback, and
0: I'll probably regret it. <laughs> and the draft order is probably the biggest tie-in to this because should the Bills lose, they're probably looking at at least 5-11 and for the season, which would put them right in the top five range. But should they win... That gives them at least a look at 6-10 and 10 this year, which would drop them down to more of the 7-12 to 12 range. So this is a big swing game. With that said, I think the Lions are really uh, strong. Well, maybe they have a, a solid offensive line, but I think that gets neutralized by the Bills' defensive line. Um and then I'm not really sure where where else the Lions are good outside of Darius Slay and uh, the defensive tackles or the defensive line against the run. And the Bills aren't really, they haven't really been able to run the ball at all this year. And I don't think that Darius Slay is going to hone in on any one guy to, to take him out. So I think in this game, even though those that might be rooting for draft order, I've got the Bills to win this game, and I actually think they might blow them out. I really do, because this is... I mean, the Lions won a sleepwalker of a game in Arizona last week. I think the score is 17-3. to The Cardinals were just terrible. Um, the Lions, like, they they have, I guess, on paper, a shot to make it to the playoffs, but they're not a good team. The Bills have been knocking on the door the last two weeks to to get a victory. They should have won in Miami they probably should have won if it weren't for special teams against the Jets, but they didn't. And I don't know. I, I, I think Josh Allen is going to do really well against this, uh, against this Detroit Lions defense. I just, just kind of have a feeling based on the, the matchups and everything along those lines. And I think, I think his game is, and the lack of talent they have in the secondary really supports him having a, a pretty strong effort. So I've got the bills and, Uh, I I say that comfortably. I I think they might win by 10-plus points. All right. So that's going to do it for us. The Bills will take on the Lions at New Era Field, the second-to-last home game of the year. And then after that, two AFC East games, their final road game against the Patriots and then home against the Miami Dolphins, which could end up being a spoiler situation for the Buffalo Bills should the Dolphins be in a position for playoffs uh, in Week 17, a lot like the Bills were against the Dolphins last year in Week 17. Funny how that works. All right, so for Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thank you all for listening to us, and we will talk to you on Sunday. Have a good weekend.